You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 52 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We are coming to you on another fantastic Comic Book Wednesday, November 9th, 2011. As always, I'm your host, Vince, and by my side is Roger. What's up, man? Not too much, not too much. All right, so this week uh, we had a couple of big events going on over the last few months in comics, and it's time to start taking a look back at them. And the first one we're looking at just wrapped up last week, and that is Spider Island, Marvel's other big event that went on this summer. And compared to Fear Itself, by far their better event, wouldn't you say? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> it's funny, too, because you're talking about recent events, and, well, we just covered the, the DC relaunch as well, which was a massive event. But it's funny how... Something that was quite obviously just a, you know, action popcorn flick type of comic book event won out in all possible ways. It was just fun beginning to end. And with the exception of only a couple of the tie-ins, which we'll get into later, I loved it all. I, I absolutely had a blast with the whole thing. Yeah, because unlike uh, New 52 or Fear Itself or Schism, Spider Island wasn't trying to do anything beyond tell a Spider-Man story. Yeah, it was a big Spider-Man story. It was very impactful, but at the end of the entire event, really the only character who changed was Spider-Man himself. So it allowed all the other tie-in stuff, just kind of, if they wanted to jump along and tell a Spider-Island story, there's plenty of room there without it having to be this big earth-shaking, you know, change it, change of uh, the status quo. And the thing that I like too is that it didn't take itself too seriously. And unfortunately... I can appreciate how in uh, a big story arc, how you're going to have a degree of seriousness in it where maybe not so much that they take themselves too seriously, but there is, there are serious aspects to the story. I'm, and I'm all right with that. I don't mm -hmm. mind drama in a comic book if it's well done. But there's a big difference between seriousness and taking oneself too seriously. And unfortunately, that's something that we saw way too much of in Schism and something that the DC 52 relaunch far too many of those new issues were taking themselves far too seriously as well. And this did none of that. It was just a blast from beginning to end. And it, it was, though there were a few serious moments here and there overall, it was just a fun adventure. And that's really all you want out of a Spider-Man comic. Tell a good story, tell a solid story, but tell a story that you're going to enjoy along the way. So back in issue 43, uh, we talked about the beginnings of Spider-Island, uh, the prologue issue, the first actual, and a pile of tie-ins. So we're going to pick up where we left off with Amazing Spider-Man issue 669, which was a, the part two of the proper Spider-Island, part three overall, counting the prologue, whatever. And when we last left, it was uh, after Pete had that great scene where he's on top of the lamppost and, you know, publicly unmasks himself because he can do that. Everybody has spider powers. And it just set the story into a very fun direction. You saw 
how, you know, like you said, it's not taking itself too seriously, but it's doing great things with it. And, of course, it's not going to be Spider-Man if things don't get worse. And we start seeing that right off the bat with the mutations running amok. Yeah, okay, it was pretty fun to start off with. Hey, everybody has Spider-Man powers. Oh, cool, that guy has extra arms. Wow, that guy's sprouting fangs and hair and has turned into a six-foot-tall actual spider. New York is not a very pleasant place to be in this miniseries anymore. I it's it's great because up until then everybody wants to get the spider powers. They <laughs> they want to be able to do all these things. And then here now you start seeing the actual mutations and all of a sudden all of these people now want to get themselves the the treatment that they need to to get rid of it. But what it does also is it makes it that much harder for all of the people who are trying to um prevent people from leaving New York without hurting anybody in the process because they keep saying throughout the entire event as well like don't hurt them they're still the citizens that otherwise we try to protect and yet here you have them these monstrosities that are trying to bite your head <laughs> off and that's something that even came up in the uh, Spider-Girl miniseries where Spider-Girl and even Kingpin were showing some restraint. But, of course, Hobgoblin was just going around hacking things up. And that, that was pretty interesting seeing that dynamic taking place uh, over there, too. I got to say, it, when we talked about the first one in that three-part miniseries for Spider-Girl, um, it, was, it wasn't that it was bad, but that it didn't have the same feel as the the mainline storyline mm -hmm. and it just i didn't find that initially there was enough to it but i gotta tell you after reading the other two parts in it it was really quite good i really liked what they did with that miniseries it was a ton of fun and it really gave you new insight into that character and what she can do i i was really digging it actually especially towards the end yeah, we're going to come back to her later because we're moving on in Spider Island. We finally found out who the big bad villain was. I mean, they threw red herring at one after another at us, uh, especially in the tie-ins. We had uh, Arachne, the Greek uh, mythological character, showing up over in Hercules. I, Apec, from the uh, Osborne miniseries, showed up over in Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. And then we find out it's somebody I had never heard of before, the Queen. Uh, some character from a Spider-Man comic, God, I couldn't even tell you how long ago that was, but it was a long time ago, who was uh, kind of like a, another failed attempt at recreating Steve Rogers. She was a super soldier that they gave insect powers to, and didn't turn out too well for her and she's finally shown back up and she's the one who's been leading the jackal along and everything else setting up the spider island to really just make everybody else like her she wants to be the queen of the spider people and that's what we're coming down to here so i find it pretty cool that we had this huge big event with not one of the a-list villains shows that you can do an interesting story with an interesting character i'd never heard of her before but i liked what they gave us with the queen I completely agree. That's exactly it too. It was let's use some characters that you're that you're not going to think. Oh, here's just another Osborne big story arc or something like that. It's someone completely different. But what I liked as well too is um, the hierarchy of command that she had with her minions. Mm -hmm. And so you you had a multitude of villains that you had to to worry about, and not just her as a central focus. And that's important too because then, especially in a story that you're going to split apart like they did with this one with the tie-ins and with everything that's going on in different places having a multitude of villains that each 
in and of themselves is poses a real danger and then having her being someone somewhat of an unknown that you get more information on as the story progresses i think that that really allows you to have a lot more tension in the story and especially when you Again, initially, you don't know quite as much about her. And then you find out more about her as the story progresses, not necessarily through flashbacks and whatnot, but rather through her actions. You start seeing how much control she has over everybody and things like that. But then towards the end, as she really comes into her own as a villain, you then start hearing more about her. And it's not just that she was this failed super soldier experiment, but that one-on-one she's stronger than rogers so as the story is ramping up so too is our appreciation of her as a villain and just what she can do and that again that takes a lot of talent when you're writing it you're not just relying on that fear early on knowing how bad she is but rather you're you're that fear is developing as you're seeing just how much she's doing and then it's justified later when you're finding out listen (laughs) she was bad when she was just a little petite, dark-haired woman, <laughs> and she could go toe-to-toe with now look at her, and we won't spoil it yet because we'll get into it later, but you can then really appreciate that tension, and, and it, it really ramps up very well. Mm-hmm. And Spider Island was just peppered with all these wonderful character interaction moments. Uh, when Jonah got the spider powers, and he was fighting alongside Spider-Man, loved it. When MJ finally had her oh, powers blooming, that was just great. That was, MJ really shined in this. She was yes. fantastic. The moment she got it, and then it clicked in her head what Parker had been going through since he was a teenager. And she understood finally this is the, the, the great responsibility model that he's always had. And I like that moment where she finally gets it. It, it was really well done. Mm-hmm. And of course, Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock, man. <laughs> man, both Venom and Anti-Venom, again, when you're looking at the people in this story arc that had meaning, that that were important to the story, you had, you had those guys. You had MJ. You had Carly, which, oh my God, she was fantastic in this. <laughs> you had, um, you had, uh, what's his name? Well, the, all the, the Future Foundation guys, you yeah. had Iron Fist, you had Shang-Chi, like all of the people that were that were really important weren't necessarily the A-list team. I mean, yeah, Wolverine's in this series, but barely. I mean, the Hulk is in there, but barely. And all the characters that in other series tend to steal the stage weren't the main characters here. And again, I love that because the B-list characters that stepped up to the plate did a great job holding the story together and really holding your interest. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm going to take a a bit of a a side road here. and We're going to leave Amazing Spider-Man behind for a minute and hop over to Venom because the two series really intertwined throughout the event. You really had to be reading both to get the full story. And that's not a bad thing because they were both great comics. When we find out that Eddie Brock as the anti-Venom is the cure to Spider Island. He can heal the people of their spider powers. And they send in good old Flash Thompson as the, you know, Agent Venom to bring him in. And man, that issue with the two of them was just freaking awesome. First of all, we get Eddie's big speech in the church. Uh, this guy has had a screw loose for years and <laughs> apparently becoming a, quote, hero 
hasn't fixed that very well. And just, man, the two of them together in the fight scene, Eddie seeing through Flash's facade of being in control because he knows what the symbiote is like. Eddie himself felt in control for many years when it turns out it was always the symbiote in control. And God, that issue was just so good. All of the the issues. It, it was funny because we'd been seeing the anti-venom stuff ramping up and yeah that messiah complex with him and yet he is the cure he is going to be the one to save the island and then we've been seeing the stuff with uh flash with all of the venom series and you just knew that that collision between the two of them was coming it was only a matter of time before it would finally happen and it was really well done once it did happen like the two played off of each other very well and it was great because they as with all of the stuff lately with venom they had it where you had the perspective of both flash as well as the symbiote going up against the anti-venom to try to bring him in so that they can use him and so again you had that it was a multi-layered story and then pepper on top of that his father dying mm-hmm. and everything happening there so there was so much going on during those 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 stories that were just you know the venom stuff that it again it, it could have been blown so far out of proportion it could have been just fall flat on its face but it didn't it really was fun to read it just makes me sad that now that spider island is over Eddie's just back to being Eddie. I really wish they had done more with Anti-Venom, and I hope there's some way they can work to bring him back because there's so much more that you can do with that character, both with Spider-Man and with Venom, even on his own. Yeah, he's got to come back. Yeah, it's it's a comic book. (laughs) Just the same way that people don't stay dead. They can bring back freaking Bucky. (laughs) Yeah, there'll be something. He'll get it back. All right, well, bringing it back over to Amazing Spider-Man, we finally got the big reveal of who's in Lab 6, and I don't know, like, I was expecting something a little more outrageous. It, this, it made sense, but I was just like, oh, I was, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting Michael Morbius, the vampire. At this point here, by the time this happened, so much had happened that was not following the rule book of what a major story arc exactly was supposed to be that I was all right with it. You know what I mean? Even I found the big reveal that um, one of the big tarantula, was it the tarantula one? I believe it was. The tarantula one was Captain America and things the like Spider that. Spider King, yeah. Yeah, so, so I thought that already was too much of a relying on an A-list character. Up until then, it, it just really felt like they looked at the rule book and said, you know what? Everybody's always complaining that all we do is follow the rule books. Let's not. And I loved that. So when whenever a reveal came about that was just this obscure, out of left field, what the hell is going on? I loved it. I was much happier with that than when they relied on the rule book, say, again, like with the Captain America stuff. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And like I said, it's not that I was unhappy that it was Morbius, just being in that event state of mind. I was expecting, I I don't know who I was expecting. I was just expecting it to be something, I, I don't know. I really can't voice it. But yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Trust me, I know exactly what you mean. And initially I was of that mindset as well. But the more that I read, the more I was like, 
I knew that I was just along for a ride and all of my preconceptions of what should be happening or what I can expect to happen were gone. So instead of trying to figure out the story, as you often do with little mysteries like this, you try to, you know, piece it all together. Screw that. Let's just go for the ride and see where it takes us. So that's why I wasn't disappointed at all. And were you disappointed when Pete got his spider sense back? That Okay, that's the one. And we, we <laughs> talked about this before. I, was it last week? No, it was when we were talking to, uh, to Jonathan Mayberry. It was one of those deals, again, where they do something that goes against the rule book and let's do something completely different. And then they just retcon it later on and write it back in. And so here we he'd had to adapt his fighting because of having lost his his, uh, his spider sense and he'd had to do so many things differently because of it he was getting into more trouble he was getting beat up more he had to do the entire martial arts training which was fantastic only to just oh here you go have it back again it was like no after all that work setting it up so that it was something that you can be happy with the way that they'd handle it they just give it back to him so that was that was disappointing it wasn't i know that they were hoping that it'd be that cheering moment yeah he got it back but for me it definitely wasn't yeah i mean we knew he was going to get it back at some point i just wish they'd ran with it a little longer i i would have been all right with them not giving it back. oh sure but i mean it had to happen ah see and see that's just that's just disappointing yeah well but at least the side effect of that is we saw the queen get a big power up uh and, you know, her psychic powers and everything. And she's become an even bigger threat, though. So that was uh, at least it was a trade off. <laughs> well, it, 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 I can see how it worked in the story. Within reason, it was kind of yeah, written in a little too harshly. But well, I, I like that they finally brought Julia down a peg. She was getting a little too high and mighty as Madam Webb. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, that's I, the thing is, is that you can then relate to whether it's <laughs> Spider-Man or Shang-Chi when they're talking to her and they're so frustrated with her. And it's like, <laughs> why are you always like this? And you can respect that because that's how you feel. So like the scene where he's saying that he's going to spend the next 10 minutes mooning her and her entire future is going to be filled with Spider-Butt. I laughed to start with. That was, that so was fantastic. So it's like, yeah. And then we uh, finally get the face off uh, when his spider power or spider sense comes back with... Uh, the tarantula, his failed clone brother, Kane, and Kane th- falls into the vat of Eddie goo. That's just uh. <laughs> Eddie juices. <laughs> yeah. And comes out cured of the tarantula, but still has his own spider powers. And Kane throughout his entire existence was always the failed clone. Uh, ben Riley, the original Scarlet Spider, was the, you know, the perfect clone. Kane was the cast off. So he's always been trying to prove himself, even to the point in Grim Hunt when he sacrificed himself to save Pete. And that's when he came back, got the tarantula powers, blah, blah, blah. And we finally get the two of them together. It was just one of those moments where you could, you're just giggling reading the comic because, you know, Slot wrote it great. The two of them together, the Parker brothers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I loved the two of them together because Kane's always been the more, you know, a serious sort of character. But we've seen a, a bit of a change in his personality now that he's working alongside Pete where he's still – even though he's a different person, he's still Pete <laughs> in, in some ways. Yeah, very much. I 
he was a character that I wish they would have used a little bit more. But again, it's not a very long story arc, generally speaking, and there weren't that many tie-ins. So he wasn't meant to be the main character or or even a main character. So it kind of made sense. But it's too bad because I, I certainly would like to see more of him in upcoming uh, Amazing oh, Spider-Man issues and things like that. I really would like to see a lot more of him. Because, yeah, that interaction between the two of them was was very very good when they're arguing about who gets to wear the costume the new costume (laughs) (laughs) you always get the good stuff (laughs) it was great it was really fun well at least coming up in january he's going to be starring in the new scarlet spider comic on his own so some interesting stuff there i what i'm and hopefully we'll get crossovers and stuff exactly because i don't know whether or not he's going to be strong enough to be in a series in and of himself but Definitely with other people. It's going to be interesting to see him with a variety of other people. I'd love to see him with a uh, a series with Wolverine because there's going to be oh. some similarities, but not everything. And then to see how Wolverine would deal with him. That's a series that would just be a blast to read. Yeah, I like the stuff with uh, him and Miss Marvel during the big fight. And everybody's like, who yep. are you? You know, it's great stuff altogether. And when it comes down to it, though, it wasn't Spider-Man who saved the day. It was Pete, you know, him using his just natural intelligence and scientific brilliance to save the day did something that Spider-Man or any of the other heroes couldn't have done. And that was a big moment of the story for me, where it's throughout everything. The spider powers are always secondary to the fact that Peter Parker himself is just a great guy. Yeah, I like that it didn't just come down to the end where it was a great big fight. It ramped up to that where Mm -hmm. you had a great big fight that was really a lot of fun to read. And that was with Venom and Captain America when they were fighting her initially until she metamorphosized into that big giant thing. And so you had that great big battle and it was fun and it was tense. But then the actual resolution instead was him using his brain and working the problem out. And then you still got a a, a fight finale kind of thing that was freaking awesome (laughs) with Ms. Marvel flinging him towards her. So there was a lot of cool stuff there. And I liked how they resolved the the future site that Madame Webb had had that he would have to kill and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't him. It was the clone. And yeah, it's a little cheesy and corny, but they made it work. So there there weren't any loose ends too many that I thought, oh, that's just wrong. Or that's wouldn't happen that way. Again, it was, it was well enough written that it was a fun ride and the, the most of the loose ends were tied up fairly well. Yeah, and uh, through that whole climactic battle at the end, he's fighting alongside MJ, who let a little something slip, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. But (laughs) see, I saw that coming too. Because you're seeing the tension rising between he and Carly, and then you're seeing the friendship being reignited between him and MJ kind of thing. So it's the foreshadowing was there for that. And as we saw in the epilogue, uh, Carly has figured him out, which he thought was impossible because part of that whole fancy spell Dr. Strange cast was not only did everybody forget who he was, nobody could figure it out unless he told them. But Carly figured it out because his big epic moment unmasking himself 
weakened the spell. So now people can learn who Spider-Man is again. And it's like this entire event was just kind of Dan Slott going, like erasing one more day and one moment in time and going, okay, people can learn who Spider-Man is again. He's going to get back together with MJ. <laughs> just checking things off the list of stuff he has to fix in Spider-Man's continuity. And that was one of those loose ends that it was like that whole thing with Doctor Strange where it's, it, it was forced. I, I didn't have a huge problem with it, but it was forced and it was to essentially retcon one more day. And the only reason I'm all right with that is because I hated one more day. <laughs> so that was one of those. Yeah, go ahead and retcon the crap out of that if you want, because frankly, I hated it. So, all right, go back and rewrite that history. So, of course, now it's only a matter of time for his boss figures it out if he hasn't already. Well, there should be a a whole lot going on here where people are going to be figuring different things out. Like just how many, who knows? But just the fact that you've got one person out there, whether, you know, she's going to keep her mouth shut or not, there's somebody out there who knows. And like I had forgotten about that whole nobody can figure it out thing because I through reading Amazing Spider-Man, I was like, why isn't Max Modell, you know, one of the smartest people on the planet? Why can't he figure out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man? It was almost infuriating at a point and it finally makes sense to me now because I forgot about that little tidbit. Yeah, it's going to be as Strange was alluding to as well. He's going to have to be more careful with his identity than he has been. And before we wrap up on Amazing Spider-Man, as great as the story was, holy crap, freaking Ramos. Oh, man, Alberto Ramos destroyed every single one of these issues. My God. I was not that Caselli did a bad job on no. the the last one, the, the epilogue. And that was uh, issue 673. He didn't do a bad job by any stretch of the imagination. And that's actually really, really good art. But I was disappointed just because it wasn't Ramos. Ramos had been doing such a fantastic <laughs> job. The The story arc felt like it was his. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so for somebody else to write, to, not to write, but to, to draw the epilogue, it was like, oh, ah, as good as it was, I really, really would have liked to have seen Ramos finish it off. Because, mm-hmm. man, he, oh, he <laughs> owned it beginning to end. It was just so fantastic. Like, it's not crazy detailed it's not you know gritty it's just a cartoony awesome style that really works for spider-man like you couldn't do this in say a hulk comic (laughs) it just and it fit again with that fun adventure action flick kind of mentality it was just and and (laughs) the the detail (laughs) was fantastic the the expressions and that's something that you really need I mean, yeah. something like this, especially when it has to do with, with Parker, you want that wild, crazy expression. If it's going to be a character that's slack jaw, you want that jaw way big, the mouth wide open and everything. Everything about it was just like so much expression on everybody. Like when you're seeing the X-Men tie-ins too, when they're in there, like all of the characters are just freaking ripping it was just fantastic so again i was disappointed that he didn't do the epilogue but for the rest of the series my god just a fantastic job yeah and it's funny because dan slot as you know i follow him on twitter and he's like every time i get a page from umberto ramos it's the best page he's ever drawn and i can't argue with that yeah i see i'm looking at one right now and it's one where jay jonah is turning into the spider (laughs) and like, I mean, everything that's going on, you're looking at, it's just like, Oh my God, it's so freaking awesome. (laughs) All right. So we're going to touch on some of the tie-ins here. Uh, 
let's let's start with cloak and dagger uh-huh. uh yeah exactly we weren't crazy about issue one and honestly the rest of it didn't do much for me nope. I, I i was never into the characters to begin with so it I had no use for it, and it, it's a story that didn't need the Spider Island tie-in to nah, be told. Not I, at I think all. It, I think it might have succeeded a little better if you know they just taken some time, spread out the story, flesh it out some, and just told it as its own miniseries instead of Spider Island. Completely agree. It had no business in here whatsoever. It was not a tie-in for Spider Island at all. It, it was a story about them and the negative dude and them switching powers. The, mm. That was its own story. And I think that had they given it a proper six-issue series to take their time and do it justice, do it properly, without having to worry about throwing in a little bit of Spider Island here and there kind of thing, I think that they could have told a much better story. Because I like these characters. I really do. And I would have liked to have seen a proper story told. This was rushed and forced, and I really didn't like it. Yeah, shoehorning it into Spider Islands just to elevate the profile, to me, that tells me Marvel doesn't have faith in the characters, which is disappointing. Yeah, yeah, I no, I completely agree. It didn't fit. And also, again, I know that you like the first um the issue the first issue, the art. I throughout the whole thing did not it, like the art at all. It's 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 a style thing. Yeah. I, and the story, too, again, it relayed on some cliches, too, and the dream sequence thing, and then the, you know, this whole thing about the scene in the future knowing that Dagger's going to kill him. And I, it, there was just too many, well, why? Well, no, this doesn't make sense. And, oh, this is stupid. And you don't want that when you're reading a, a tie-in like this. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Amazing Spider-Girl we talked about uh, really finished off better than it started. I I I guess they kind of had to reintroduce her to some people who hadn't weren't very familiar with her, like you and me. But yeah, over the course of the story, especially the stuff between her and Kingpin, yep. I, I found it enjoyable. Very. It was it was fun. It 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 really started to work more as a proper tie-in uh, from issue two. I feel at least, and mm-hmm. then two and three really worked well as a tie-in to the story as a whole. But by then. All of the tie-ins, with the exception of Cloak and Dagger, but all of the tie-ins were really tying in quite well. Again, it's one of those few series where when you're looking at it, you're thinking, well, if you're going to read the event, you really do have to read the Venom. You you have to read the Venom for it to make sense. You really should read the Spider-Girl stuff because it tied in quite nicely. The Deadly Hands of Kung Fu... you'd be a fool not to read them so all of those really tied in quite well and it it wasn't just you know a forced story as opposed to the the cloak and dagger the i felt that the the spider woman one shot was a a forced story that wasn't part of didn't have to be a part of it, mm-hmm. but it still worked. It wasn't yeah, trying. It, 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 oh, I loved it. it. What I mean is that it was forced in terms of let's give her her own thing that's that pertains mm-hmm. to the the event as a whole, but it doesn't necessarily tie in. You don't have to have read it. Whereas with the cloak and dagger, it was forced in only just to tie it in for that higher profile sale but it, the story as a whole had nothing to do with spider island but with the spider woman it did and it was just this little off side story that was told and i loved it i thought it was fantastic and it really made me appreciate that character a lot more 
Yeah, she's a very complex character, and she's never quite worked well on her own. That's why we really, really see her in the Avengers titles these days. But going back to freaking Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, <sighs> yeah, my God, that was amazing. And Marvel, please, I will pay $8 an issue <laughs> if you give me a monthly Deadly Hands of Kung Fu series. Put Shang-Chi, Iron Fist, put all the immortal weapons in there. I will buy that comic. Put a number on the cover. Pick something. I'll pay it because I want to read more of these stories. And if they can bring this artist back, who was that? Fiumara. Fiumara. Whoever did the art on this? Oh, Sebastian. Sebastian Fiumara did the penciling um, as well as well as Leandro Fernandez. Yeah, I've seen him split it up. Yeah, he's done some stuff before that I really like. The art in this, oh, dude, I loved it. It was so fantastic, and the writing in it was great. It's it. I really, really, really enjoyed this this three parter a lot. Mm -hmm. If the whole purpose for all three of these three part miniseries were kind of test the waters for upcoming ongoings, pick this one, (laughs) please. (laughs) I agree. It was great. All right, other tie-ins. It was stupid, it was ridiculous, but I'll be damned if the Avengers one-shot wasn't one of the funniest things I've ever read. Uh, Okay, I don't agree, but... I'm not saying it was worth buying, but it was was just hilarious, I'm sorry. I... I wasn't crazy about it, but part of that is because I hate the character of Hawkeye. I really, which is why this was so good. Really, well, even then, on for the entire issue. Even that, even at that, I just. If only we had somebody with spider powers that could help us out. <laughs> I wasn't crazy about this one. It, it wasn't <laughs> bad per se, but it's just my dislike of the character was like, eh, whatever. All right, we also had um, Heroes for Hire, which even though I really like the Heroes for Hire series, this tie-in did nothing for me. It's not that it did nothing for me so much as. I was expecting not to like it because I'm not crazy about those characters. <laughs> and I read it and it was like, okay, it wasn't bad. Yeah, so it, 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 it didn't really do anything though. Like what was its oh, purpose? No, no, it, no, it didn't. I agree. But it was just showing you other quote unquote heroes who had been infected and how they were dealing with it and things like that. So to me, it helped flesh out the event, but it wasn't that it added a ton to it. Mm-hmm. But again, I love the art in this one. It was even more <laughs> cartoony than Ramus. I didn't like it as much as Ramus, but dude, I really, I enjoyed it. I liked it. The spider office has some very good artists working for them. Yeah, really. <laughs> All right. Uh, Herc. Um, didn't like it. It was okay. Like, I am not as interested in this version of Hercules as I was a few years ago. I, I don't know. Ever since he lost his his powers, he just hasn't been as interesting. Like, he's just a big goofball now. And I don't know. It, it hasn't been working for me. And the, the tie-ins here were okay. I mean, they were, it had some funny moments, but yeah, it didn't really do much. No. Although the stuff he did with the interaction between him and Wolverine were hilarious. <laughs> Even at that, I, no, I didn't like it at all. All right. Uh, what else we got out there? Uh, Black I Panther. I didn't read the Black Panther once. It's really, I read the Black Panther, it was issue 524. And again, here we have a self contained story that, shows you another hero that is infected so we got you know he's got multiple arms on him and it showed him going after someone who had broken into the shadowlands retreat and had stolen somebody and stored them in his trunk it was 
it was a it was quite obviously a, a Spider Island tie-in, but it added absolutely nothing to the story as a whole. Nothing at all, at all. And I mean, it was all right, but it, easily skippable and not something that you have to read to 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 get anything more out of Spider Island. Okay, so that pretty much wraps it up, right? I'm checking My, through right thing? now. I got the list, and I think we pretty much. Well, there was on like the little things, like the uh, emergence of evil with the jackal and the hobgoblin. Yeah. We'd already touched on that before, and then there was um, what else? The I, I love New York. Oh yeah, city that, that was a little tie-in as well. There were a couple of those, but no, that's about it for tie-ins, I guess. Yeah. All right, but yeah, overall, very very successful. Told. A nice, small, self-contained story, but told it in a big, outlandish way that made it an event. I'm fairly certain that as they were coming up with this idea, it was never intended to be a big event, but it grew and there was enough room here that there was there was story to tell for multiple characters and i'd say their batting average is pretty good on this one well the thing is is that i well i disagree with you when you're thinking about it as a concept how can the infestation of new york not be considered a major event when you consider how many teams are stationed I've seen in it new york in comics. yeah well I, I i would see this as a big event the thing is is that i think that were it not for the strength of the Spider-Man character that this event would not have been nowhere near as exciting or nowhere near as much fun. It's just that when written properly, which quite obviously Dan can do with Spider-Man, Spider-Man character can add so much to a huge event like this. And so when you're taking an event where he's not only going to be a part of it, but he's going to be the spotlight of it again, put it in the right hands writing hands and you've got yourself a winning winning event and that's what this was yeah absolutely all right we're gonna move on to the what we're reading and really all i've got uh this week is i finally checked out issue two of the flash and god i'm really loving that like the story is okay the writing all right like it's 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 oh it's it's interesting it's good but just the actual comic itself the artwork and more importantly the structure of the comic every time i turned the page it blew my mind the way um manipole is just crafting the actual comic itself is is something i'm not seeing anywhere else and he's definitely ahead of all of his peers when it comes to actually creating the comic the panel layouts the flow the pacing it's just absolutely amazing i can't praise it high enough i haven't read it yet oh but i will be i will there, be. there are some there are some pages in there where like so many comics you read like you pick it up you read it and you're done in like three minutes you're like oh okay and some people try to expand upon that by just throwing a whole bunch of words in there it's the exact opposite with Flash. There are pages where there's almost no words and you just spend minutes staring at it because it's you're just looking at it and your eyes are all over the place. It it, it visually it reads like a Flash comic should. It with so much going on all at once that you're into it. Cool. Yeah, definitely on my reading list. All right. Uh, you got anything for us this week? Well, with the exception of these you know, 39 <laughs> issues for this, and I just ripped through. I did get caught up on some more of DC stuff as well. It's it's funny because it's <laughs> we, we went through so many of them for September that 
I did not read many of the number <laughs> twos number or threes. Two. So I'm now going back and getting caught up on the ones that I like. I did read Batwing number two, and it's funny because I feel it's it's just reinforcing what I've been feeling about a lot of the DC stuff now, where I get the impression they're trying too hard to be the adult comic books with, you know, severed limbs and everything all over the place. <laughs> the violence is not, you no longer this, you know, kapow, Batman hitting somebody. No, there's severed limbs, you know, severed heads, everything. And I, th- it's starting to feel too much like they're trying too hard at it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, I understand that they're trying to be, appeal to a more mature audience and it's not like i have any you know qualms about it it's it's not a big deal for me it's just that i it feels forced and it feels like they're trying too hard and it's i'm seeing it all over again these i seriously i'm going to get screenshots of all of the severed heads or limbs throughout all of the DC new relaunch things, <laughs> just to show them one after another, so I that think we somebody can... was keeping track because there there's so much, and it's and it's just kind of like at this point, it's not that it's disturbing so much as oh god, come on, give me a break. Like, was this yeah. really required here? And the answer, more often than not, is no. You can tell a mature comic with violence, like let's say Uncanny X Force, but when the violence becomes as pointless as it is in so many of these DC comics, it's the exact opposite of a mature comic. It's appealing to your immature audience and nothing wrong with immature people. Teenagers have to buy comic books too, but it's not the type of violence that's going to appeal to an adult reader. It's again, it's just going too far for the sake of just going too far. It's not something that actually helps the story. So it's like, eh, whatever. It's it's just making me kind of shake my head now as I'm seeing it. All right. Well, picking up on today's new releases uh, from Marvel, we have one I've been eagerly anticipating, Avenging Spider-Man number one. Just seeing Joe Madreira drawing comic books again makes me happy. Battle Scars number one, which is another fear itself epilogue yay uh ghost rider number five really digging that one journey into mystery 631 new avengers number 18 ultimate spider-man number four finally uncanny x-force number 17 and x-men legacy number 258 as well as the trade paperback edition of incredible hulk's heart of the monster uh the final greg pack story there and i didn't have them on the list because i couldn't bring myself to actually type it out but marvel has gone completely over the top with this point one idea this week we have fear itself 7.2 point one came out last week and an actual comic titled Point One Number I One. I know. What the hell is that? I saw that and I didn't. I, I didn't even look it up. I think I, they're just trying to give comic shop owners an aneurysm when they're trying to alphabetize their, <laughs> <laughs> their comics. <laughs> All right, from DC, we've got issue number three for Batman and Robin, Demon Knights, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, Green Lantern number three, which. Sorry, guys, that's probably going to be the last one I pick up there. Not in, not really doing anything for me. Suicide Squad number three, Superboy number three, as well as a few others I'm completely uninterested in. And uh, issue two of the Huntress miniseries, which I do recommend. And rounding out the pack uh, from Boom Studios, we've got Darkwing Duck number 18. And before you laugh, that comic has just been a lot of fun. And it's the last issue they're putting out before the rights to all the Disney characters revert over to Marvel. No laughing? No. Okay. No. No. It's not worth it. I just can't believe you're reading that. The first comic <laughs> arc 
the first arc of coming back was called the duck knight returns okay they have done spoofs of so many famous comic book stories over the years there's a scene where darkwing is fighting alongside darkwings from all these different dimensions and you've got like green arrow and like just all these various comic characters reimagined as darkwing duck it's freaking awesome okay he's the terror that flaps in the night yeah no all right, no. fine. All right, well, that's going to wrap us up here for issue number 52. Please be sure to check us out at comicbookinformer.com, and you can get in touch with us in many ways on Twitter at CB Informer, emails either Vince or Roger at comicbookinformer.com. Uh, leave some messages on iTunes. We're everywhere. Please talk to us. If you'd like us to check out something that maybe we're not reading, I'd be more than happy to give it a try, so drop us a line. And that's going to wrap us up here, so check us out next week for issue 53 of Comic Book Informer. 